Star Wars 7x7 episode 3340. Toil and Trouble is the name of episode two from the Ahsoka series, and this is gonna be our seven takeaway breakdown episode. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So we're going to start our 7 Takeaway Breakdown with what we usually do, and that's our brief rundown of what happens in the episode. And as with the previous episode, there's you know a lot of time spent and stuff that probably could have been speeded up comparatively speaking, but it's still kind of fun to see the way things go. And you know, not a heck of a lot happens necessarily. So we find out that the map is lost, but they've got a lead because a droid got left behind. And so they're able to trace the droid to Corellia and then Ahsoka and Hera go to Corellia and find out that Morgan Elspeth had you know, some secret underhanded dealings going on in Corellia where she was acquiring Super Star Destroyer hyperdrive cores. And then we also find out that Morgan Elspeth has been able to use the map to pinpoint a location to where she thinks Grand Admiral Thrawn is, this path to Peridia, as the children in the Jedi Temple used to refer to it. We also find out that the reason why Morgan Elspeth is having the Super Star Destroyer hyperdrive cores collected is because she is building what appears to be an extra galactic hyperdrive device which looks very much like the hyperdrive rings that the Jedi Starfighters used in the prequel trilogies. That's good fun. But unfortunately for the bad guys, our heroes have tracked them and so they will be on their way to Setos and yet Balin Skull knows that Ahsoka is coming even though Shinhati says they couldn't attract us. So yeah, we'll get to that part in a moment. Well, heck, since we're here, the second takeaway is, yeah, that was the one thing that just didn't quite sit right with me on this episode. So, first of all, the way that the tracker was installed on that transport ship was fun. It was good fun. But for Shinhati to say our getaway was clean, they couldn't have tracked us when it was so patently obvious that the Phantom is like flying loops and circles around that transport, like, can there not have been any suspicion on the behalf of the bad guys in this regard? Like, it, it seems impossible to think that it wouldn't have occurred to them. Like, well, why are they just flying a crazy loop around us? Why aren't they trying to ram us or get in the way of us jumping to hyperspace? Or, you know, I don't think, I guess the Phantom doesn't have any weapons on it or anything like that because they weren't shooting back. Um, well, no, it must have had weapons on it because Chopper wanted Hera to shoot it down and Hera said she couldn't do that. She was not going to have it like fall down on the city. So I guess there was a point at which they could have shot out the hyperdrive or tried to once it got into orbit and they didn't try that. So I guess they thought tracking it was more important. Sometimes it goes like that and sometimes, yeah, that also goes awry too and that becomes its own issue. So yeah, already I'm jumping in with, with the, the complainy stuff about this episode. So sorry about that, but that's my second takeaway for things. For a third takeaway, we established Hera as a general in the first episode of the Ahsoka series, but now in this second episode, we are establishing her in what had been kind of her traditional role in Star Wars Rebels, both as a pilot of very excellent skill and also as the mother of the crew as she is talking to both Sabine and to Ahsoka about the possibility of reuniting the two of them as master and apprentice. 
And as part of her conversation with Ahsoka, Hera says, I'm curious, how do you know if someone's ready to be trained to become a Padawan? And Ahsoka's like, you just know, and they just know. And, you know, it's kind of comparatively dismissive. But I have to wonder whether Hera is asking that question only for Sabine or if she's also got her son Jason Sindula in mind about all of this. You would have to imagine that Ahsoka knows something about Jason, you know, that there is some sort of awareness there. And, you know, she probably w must also know that Jason is Kanan's son. And so there would have to be a question about whether there's some force ability situation there. So I'm wondering if that's not just a line about the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine, but if it's also potentially a setup for Jason Sindula down the line in the show. For a fourth takeaway, we have the welcome debut in live action. Well, actually, that's not even true. Chopper appeared in live action in Rogue One. He was just rolling along sort of in the background of things. So now he's actually front and center in live action in the series. And he is now the third official member of the Ghost crew to be introduced to us in the series. And I will say for all the episodes of Star Wars Rebels that I watched, I think there's some in season two that I never got around to and will eventually someday. But for for all the time that I watched Rebels, I never really understood or had a thought about what Chopper might have been saying, and yet it seems like in the series here they're making an effort to have his vocalizations be a little bit closer to something you could actually recognize as human dialogue. Or perhaps I should say galactic basic dialogue. And the characterization of Chopper is dead on from him banging on the side of the ship to try to get Hera's attention to accusing her of going through his stuff to then flexing, like taking his little mechanical arms and going, like, you know, flexing his muscles once he accurately dropped the tracker onto that transport thing. Some very Chopper-esque stuff indeed. For a fifth takeaway, let's talk about what the villains are up to. We'll circle back to them as well. So we get this amazing star map situation and this holographic dome opens up over the you know, fine folks on CTOS as they're you know, looking at the galactic map and then the path to Peridia as Balin Skull describes it where you know some other galaxy resides and it looks like that's not the only other galaxy that they're keeping track of in this star map that there are in fact multiple other galaxies but it's just this particular one that we're paying attention to and as I noted in yesterday's episode the fact that Morgan Elspeth has been overseeing construction on this thing called the Eye of Scion which is by all appearances a you know, 10 Super Star Destroyer, wow, that's a tough one to say, 10 Super Star Destroyer hyperdrive core driven object that she's already been preparing for the possibility of extragalactic travel. And, you know, this map is only basically serving to A, confirm that she had the right idea, but then B, perhaps figuring out which particular galaxy she thought she needed to go to. And yes, there's still, like, nothing in this episode necessarily resolved the problems I have about this map situation that we talked about in yesterday's episode. But it does make me wonder more about the comparatively ancient history of the Night Sisters of Dathomir and you know the fact that that's part of Morgan Elspeth's lineage and she seems to be deeply connected to that her ancestors had been on that planet Arcana for you know seemingly you know many what centuries or millennia prior so there's a whole history of Night Sisters that 
can be traced and maybe that's how she has some sense of there being an ancient people from a distant galaxy in the first place and that's part of what you know she's doing on Sitos trying to you know connect with them although I guess you know in retrospect it doesn't even necessarily it's not a perfect connection I'll say between the fact that that you know, that place where she was able to activate the map and have that holographic spear of, you know, various galaxies and whatnot come up. She didn't necessarily make it clear that the galaxy where Thrawn is exiled and the people who created that particular henge, as it's described in the audio description, like Sonhenge, that, you know, they're connected necessarily. Is that a long way around to me saying it? <laughs> Let me try it again. So, Maybe we're talking about three different galaxies. There's our galaxy far, far away that we know about. There is the galaxy to which Thrawn has been quote unquote exiled. And then there is this distant people, or I'm sorry, ancient people from a distant galaxy that Morgan Elspeth is talking about that built that you know Stonehenge type situation. And maybe that ancient people do not come from the galaxy where Thrawn is considered to be in exile. Maybe they come from yet another galaxy and we just don't know it yet. All right, have we complicated stuff enough? Let's simplify and we'll talk about our sixth takeaway, which is about the end credits, which are now starting to feel from its animation and music, very Game of Thrones-like. And I'm wondering if you're getting that same kind of vibe from it all. Either Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon, I guess probably more Game of Thrones, I guess. Comparatively speaking, even though, yes, I know it is just, you know, sort of line drawings, it's like, um, like an intergalactic Raiders of the Lost arc you map jumping thing meets the game of thrones for a title sequence or something like that i don't know let me know what you think about that youtube hey comments are right there if you're listening to an audio version then chime in at the blog post for this show's episode please at sw7x7.com and for a seventh and final takeaway i'll talk about the you know sort of rebels winks and hints that we were talking about this in the other breakdown episode um things that are being brought in that you know are definitely sort of rebels cameos and easter eggs and that sort of thing one of them has to do with the fact that when ahsoka is riding the speeder bike out to the communications tower where sabine has been living you see loth cats poking their heads out of the long grasses in those you know fields on lethal and that's something that was often shown in the animation in star wars rebels when people were you know going across vast distances in the grasslands that various animals would pop their heads up to see who was going by. So that was a fun little thing. Also, on Corellia, when Ahsoka arrives and Hera is standing outside the Phantom, there's a droid standing with her, and they don't name that droid in the credits. They don't say who it is, but gosh, if that isn't a live-action representation of AP-5, the Imperial droid that they ended up taking on as part of their team in the later seasons of Rebels. Gosh, I don't know what is. I'm going to go with the fact that I think that's AP-5 and that's, and you can't talk me out of it. And finally, we have the scene where Sabine Wren takes a knife and cuts her hair short so that way she can be ready to get her Mandalorian armor on in a more workable way. And that scene is very reminiscent of Kanan cutting his own ponytail off in the animated Rebels series. And you know, there have been some things online about whether it's the same knife. Laura Kelly of the Force Toast podcast was wondering if it's exactly the same knife that Kanan used to 
cut off his own hair. And I think she might be right. And certainly wouldn't surprise me considering just all the stuff that Sabine has collected and still seems to have possession of. So yeah, that's a, a pretty neat little tie-in as well. And so that's what I've got for you on our seven takeaway breakdown for episode two of the Ahsoka series, which is called Toil and Trouble. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyrighted by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.